To another episode of the Awesome Cast. This is another one of our awesome interviews. I have continued to wrest control of the podcast away from Basil. We are still talking about Evangelion. I am extremely excited to talk to our guest today. She is the voice of Mari Makinami Illustrious in the Amazon Prime dub of the Evangelion Rebuild films. Deneen Melody, Deneen, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh no, thank you for having me. I was really excited when you reached out and wanted to know if I could chat. So yeah, yeah thank and, you. and I appreciate it. I know it's been a very busy time, both with work and just everything else going on in your life right now. So I really appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> Let's just start out, tell everybody what you've been working on lately. That, of course, you can talk about. I know there's a lot of stuff that you're working on that, you know, you're, you're restricted by NDAs and that sort of thing. Yes, so NDAs are a big thing. Um, <laughs> but let's see. I have been working on um, stuff for Rainbow High, which is the animated show on YouTube where I play Stella Monroe. Miraculous Ladybug, where I am Zoe Lee, a.k.a. Vesperia. She is such a cute and fun character. Um, So those are shows that are ongoing. I'm, you know, consistently working on them. I have had quite a few video games pop up that I cannot talk about. But if anybody's following me on Twitter... That's where I tend to make a lot of my announcements, and we'll talk about these projects. So, yeah, just come follow me, and then you can see what I'm working on, and yeah, that sort of thing. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me start out the interview. I, I try not to get too granular on a particular show or role or anything like that. I generally like to, you know, get to know the person, but uh, because it's Evangelion, because it's me, we're definitely going to get into yeah. that some. But let me just start out by asking, what? made you take an interest in acting what made me take an interest in acting okay so i've i've some people are familiar with this story if they follow me and and they know my history but i always like to tell it because it's interesting everybody's journey into acting and into voiceover is so different and for me i was actually a ballet dancer i was training to be a ballet dancer i was dancing professionally um in my teen and even young um, adult years and then I had a foot injury that caused me to have to you know sit back and realize I don't think that I can do this professionally anymore my foot was hurting me I couldn't keep up with rehearsals Um, it was hard for me to do point so I stopped dancing and I was kind of having a crisis like an identity crisis like what am I going to do now? I spent all of these years training for this and this was what I was going to do and now I can't do it. And I moved to Chicago from Texas and I started getting into like, I did a bunch of different things, aerial, um, circus arts. I did belly dance. I did, I was trying to find something that would kind of fill that emptiness that I was having from not dancing anymore um, on that level. And somebody was like, hey, you should audition for this television pilot. And I was like, okay, why not? So I did. And that kind of set it for me for acting. Like I had done plays and stuff in school. I always really loved it. I was the weird 
artsy kid. And so I just never really thought about pursuing it, you know, as a profession. So once I started doing that and I was doing indie films, I was doing a lot of um, B horror films, which I love, lots of blood, lots of screaming. I really fell in love with it. And then in terms of getting into voiceover, we were kind of talking a bit about this uh, before we started the interview. Um, I've been a big fan of anime and video games and just animation in general since I was a child. And I was always fascinated by it. And I would be one of those kids and teenagers who would like actually pause or not pause, um, mute the video games or mute like the, the anime. And I would like read it myself and be like, oh, I'm the character. And I just never really thought that I could do voiceover as a living, just like I was thinking about acting. It just didn't click until I moved to Los Angeles. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's something I can do. I can do anime and video games and I could be a voice actor. So it was a long journey, a long process. Um, it took several years to get where I am, but I'm here now. And yeah, that's basically how I went from being a dancer to being a film actor to being a stage actor to now doing voiceover. Yeah, and I know you mentioned on Twitter the other day, you know, you don't even have representation. So making yeah. that journey, you know, was it is really incredible when you take that into account. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I like to tell people on Twitter and give advice to up and coming um, voice actors that, you know, you can't compare yourself to anybody because again, all of our, it sounds so cheesy, but all of our journeys are different and everybody falls into voiceover in a different way. And what works for one person doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. It's important to just know that as long as you're putting in the work, like you don't have to have representation to, to get work. Um, like I was saying on Twitter, I was able to build a lot of relationships with directors and casting directors and studios just by taking classes, by submitting my demo reels, by then working with them and showing that I can, you know, I can work. And yeah, it's, it's different for everybody. That's all I have to say about that. Like, just because one thing works for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for you. But just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just did my little magic, my magic hands. People can't Yeah, see little, me, little but... jazz hands. Yeah, my little jazz hands. <laughs> but yeah. So who would you say has had the biggest impact on your career? And that can be in terms of an influence or somebody who's offered support or anything like that. Okay, so in terms of voiceover, um, oh my goodness, there's so many. I grew up listening to, you know, we were just also talking about this. For example, the actors in the original Evangelion dub. Yes. Um, Tiffany Grant, Spike Spencer, Amanda Wynn Lee, Allison Keith. I grew up, and I think I mentioned this in my little Mari announcement, that like at the time I didn't realize that they actually were inspiring me. I was so just into those performances and they made those characters for me. And it's something that stuck with me. Same thing with like Crispin Freeman, who I actually have been able to take classes from him. And he's fantastic and big impact because it's like Ezra Weiss is another one. I loved him in Outlaw Star. And then to be out here in Los Angeles and then to be pursuing anime and video games and then 
I just think back when I was a kid and I was listening to their voices. You know what I mean? Just listening to them and how their performances in those shows and those video games made such an impact that I, I wanted to pursue it. You know, that it was something that just meant a lot to me that I would constantly be thinking about it, if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. I would always be like, oh, yeah, I love that. Um, I really loved the um, Kelly Sheridan in Escaflone, the original. Yes. Uh, like, she's somebody who I loved her performance so much. I actually very, this is very embarrassing, but when <laughs> I first started getting into voiceover, I actually, because I loved her performance so much. And it always like stayed with me when I started doing voiceover. I would like make these little clips um, where I would record it on my phone of the, I would like record Escaflone and then I would mute it. And then I would be like speaking into like the phone and dubbing over it as I'm like, look, I'm being Kelly Sheridan. <laughs> like I can, I'm Hitomi now. And I would post them on YouTube and I, yeah, it was very embarrassing. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing, but but hugely relatable. Yeah, I think a lot of, again, we were kind of talking about this. Being a fan since I was, I totally admit it. I'm a fangirl, and being a fan of, like, these actors and their performances and what they brought to the characters, it's a big reason why I am here doing this now, even if I didn't realize it at the time. Like, when I was 13 years old, I didn't think, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a voice actor. Right. But I did know that I really... It made such an impression on me that when I was in my 20s and, you know, trying to think about what I was going to do with my life now that I couldn't dance, that I kept thinking back, you know, to I love anime. I love video games. I love I love that. And they're a huge reason why, because of their performances. So I want to kind of shift a little bit over towards the Evangelion side. Yes. Um, you know, you, you mentioned being a show a fan of the show growing up. Yeah, we, we keep referencing this conversation that you and I had before we started recording. We totally like, had a conversation, yes. Yeah, the, the people listening at home, there's like a whole other podcast you'll never get to hear. <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about like, you know, finding it in the late 90s, at, you know, like yes. Camelot, it's always there between Disney and porn. And it's, you know, $30 or more yeah. for two episodes. Um, tell us a, a little bit about your connection to, to Evangelion and what that show means to you. Yes. So Evangelion actually came into my life, you know, in a huge way and in a very important way because I was talking about how I, how I was injured. I had watched, my brother introduced me into anime, just so everybody knows. My brother was a big geek, um, in the best way possible and if it wasn't for him I you know what I still would be into anime because a lot of my friends were and my family had lived in Japan for a couple years I was not born yet but they were really into you know the culture and they actually like loved Speed Racer um, Unico I had Unico which I loved and everything but my brother was such a big like Dragon Ball Z fan, really big into all of these shows, and one of them was Evangelion. We had watched it, you know, in the late 90s on the VHS, you know, right. like we were saying. And I went, you know what really sucked me into Evangelion was when I first hurt my foot at 16, and I had to have these surgeries, and I was laying in my bed for 
weeks and, you know, and stuff, not able to walk and having like these mental like issues as a young 16 year old, like what's going to happen with my foot? You know, what's going to happen? I had no idea. And I was watching Evangelion and we were kind of talking about this before the interview started as a young person watching these young people, you know, in this anime have these issues and have these problems. It was really relatable, especially Oscar for me, because, um, I was always a little bit of a spitfire uh, growing up and <laughs> my mom always said I was the worst behaved child because I was, I'd always <laughs> talk back and, and stuff like that. But you know, her character, when she has those feelings, she's very cocky. She's very confident. And then when she like, you know, doesn't feel that way anymore because of what happens to her, we know what happens to yes. her. And she kind of falls into that like depression and kind of like this identity crisis. I was feeling that at 16 and, you know, things worked out for me for a few more years, but I always remember, I have a very vivid memory of watching them, like rewatching the, the show and just being like, I, I, I understand. Like, everybody who, who complains about Shinji being whiny and is a terrible right. character, I'm like, he's a 14-year-old boy. Yes. Who's like, he's a, he's a kid who, who who's trying to, like, figure things out and is really experiencing things. And um, I think it's very realistic. Yes. They're all very realistic. And everything that people complain about, I think they don't want to accept that you would probably react the same in that right. situation. So I hope all of that made sense. I kind of tend to oh, absolutely. On, but yeah, it's just, it made such an impact on my life just because it was also um, such a different show. I mean, I had already, I grew up with a lot of horror films and I had already seen things like Akira and, and everything, but like to see Evangelion and it's not just you know, what we think, like, it's not just some mecha anime or anything like that. It's really psychological and there's a lot of depth there. And it, yeah, it just made such a, it's something that I've, I've, I always mention it when people ask like favorite animes, things that, that have, um, made an impact, like, like you said on my life, um, it's one of the things I always bring up because it really did, especially as we talked about earlier, the character of Asuka, um, to me, very relatable character. People don't always want to admit that because she has a lot of, you know, kind of negative toxic traits, but mm-hmm. it makes sense. She's, she's again, she's a 14 year old girl. And when you really stop and think about everything she's going through, it's like, that's relatable. Yes. That's relatable, you know? So, Yeah. You know, I have to ask just because it's such a uh, it's such a hard turn. Uh, tell me about your experience watching End of Ava for the first time. Oh my gosh, End of Ava! <laughs> it's so it's talk about horror movies. I know. Well, I was really into it. Um, that's something else I should probably say. I am a I'm kind of a weirdo, and what I mean by that <laughs> is like. People who follow me know that I still dance, by the way. I just don't do it at the level. And I do a lot of weird performance art stuff, like really weird stuff that people like watch and they're literally, what the beep is she doing? It's weird. I love very surreal. Like I love Jodorowsky. I love very weird, surreal things. So 
I, w- I was really into it when I first saw it. You know, I was like, oh, I, I, I was like, okay, I, I'm into this. I think I like <laughs> this better than the congratulations. You oh, know, for like, sure. <laughs> I was like, this is cool. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple of scenes in there where I'm like, did that just happen? One or two. Like the, you know, the, the hospital scene. I was, I was like, when I first watched it, I remember being like, is is he doing what I think he's doing? Yes, oh. he, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, don't, no. they don't leave any doubt. <laughs> no, and I remember, like, like later, like, giving my brother back the DVDs and being like, what is, what? Why didn't you tell me about that? Like, I love the scene with um, Asuka was mm-hmm. very, like, traumatizing mm-hmm. to me because she was my favorite character. Right. And I was, yeah, I I can remember just sitting there watching it and being, like I said, totally into it, but also, what? Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the giant Ray being mm-hmm. just like, mm. mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's the thing now. That's. Yeah. That's the thing. It's it's cool, but that's that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I really kind of wanted to hear that reaction to uh, <laughs> what happens to Oscar, you know, towards I, I guess oh. the, the middle of the of the film yeah. there because it's been twenty years since I first saw it, and it's it's still hard to watch. It's never yeah. not hard to watch. I, you know, again, maybe it's because I'm such an Oscar. Like I love her so much, but I remember. I had kind of this, a similar reaction to Eris in Final Fantasy um, VII. Right. My brother right. knew how much I loved Eris and knew how much I loved Asuka and did not oh, give no. me a warning. <laughs> oh, no. And it was that same kind of just like, this is happening to my to my favorite character. And mm-hmm. no, this is awful. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, and the performance in both the Japanese and English are so good. They're so good. And I just want to say, I, I mean that all across the board, whether mm-hmm. it is because I've gone back and I've seen it um, on Netflix, uh, all all of the performances just, they they nail the scene in different ways. And it, it still has that same impact where I'm like, uh, I know everything's going to be okay now, but I still don't like watching it. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Oscar. Never saw it coming. Um, no, we thought we thought she was gonna pull through. You know, that's what no. I thought. I'm like, yeah, yeah, go Oscar. Yeah, you're a badass. And then, oh, oh no, oh, yeah. Never mind. That took a turn. <laughs> exactly. So, I was fortunate enough to talk to Spike Spencer a couple of weeks ago, oh, and Spike. <laughs> and we were talking about. Because you know, you mentioned you made reference to the Netflix stuff. There was this sort of doubt, you know, for a couple of years of whether or not you know Spike and Tiffany and and everyone else would come back for the final movie. I I remember even talking to Tiffany at a convention a couple of years ago. It was yeah. just a few weeks after, and I asked her, you know, do you think you'll you'll ever get the chance to come back? And she's like, no, I don't. I don't think I'll ever get to play Oscar again. So I'm glad she was wrong. Yes. Um, but I, I remember Spike saying, you know, he he got the call. They're like, yeah, you're already booked for this thing. I think I think they said he said like the the 
the code name they used for it was like Skyrocket or something yep, like that. Yep, it's Skyrocket. And, <laughs> that was the code. And, you know, he just kind of looked and, and like saw some of the other names attached. He's like, oh, okay, we're, we're finally doing this. So, like, take me into that moment where, you know, you're booked, you're looking at the thing, and it just, it hits you what you're doing. Well... It was a little bit, I think it was a little bit different for the rest of the cast um, because for me, I actually did have to audition. Right. Um, I, Joe had given an interview um, not too long ago where he w- was stating that they, you know, were, were picking actors and knew who they wanted, but I actually did have to audition for Mari. And when they sent it to me, I, you know, it was under Skyrocket and they were not telling us what it was or telling me what it was and I read the sides and I being an Ava fan even though I had not seen I had only seen the first rebuild film I had not seen the others but because I've been you know in the community and like we were talking about going to Ava Geeks and the Ava Evangelion Reddit and stuff like that and just like I figured it out I figured it out yeah like I I was like I Think. And also just knowing that the fourth um, movie was coming out soon, I figured it out, you right. know, that it had to be. And I was like, it, and I also narrowed it down because it was like, well, it can't be any of the other pilots because they already have actors. I'm sure they already have actors for them. So right. I was like, I bet it's Mari. Right. And it was. And um, <laughs> they, they, you know, were basically like, gave me like a very brief description and I auditioned based off of that, you know. And then after I had booked it, which by the way, I want it was such a treat. I found out I booked it on Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. I got the email. Yes, I got the email and I can just tell everybody like I did not think that first off, we were talking about I never thought I would be a part of Evangelion ever. It's like one of the franchises I I thought was just not possible because it's already had redubs people, you know, it's just not something I thought I would have there would be a part for me. Right. So I didn't expect that. And then I didn't expect to really book it because that's that's how we are as actors. You know, we we audition and we just kind of send it and forget because it's so up in the air. So I did not expect it. So to get that email on Christmas Eve was just Amazing. One of the most, I actually screamed and cried. I cried a lot because I, it means so much to me. And then to be this character, I was like, I'm going to be an Ava pilot. I'm going to be, I'm going to be an Ava pilot. Like, right. <laughs> it was crazy. So after all of that, when I had my first session, I was under the impression, and I think a lot of um, the other actors, I think I heard even um, Spike might have said this, um, I thought we were just doing the fourth movie. I thought they, I don't know, and just to put this out there because people ask questions, I have no idea about anything about why, you know, Funimation, I, I don't know anything about that, so I'm just putting that out there. I only know what I know, which is I thought we were just doing the fourth movie because for whatever reason, Amazon got the rights and we were just doing the fourth movie. Right. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to play this character just for this movie. And then halfway through the first session, I was told that we're actually going to be doing all of them. So you're going to get to be Mari for the whole series. And that floored me because I did not expect that at all. It was like, did not expect that. So I didn't even know until we were already recording for Mari. 
as far as the cast goes, it's another thing where I had no idea. We weren't told anything. I did not know who the other, I was like, I remember thinking constantly, like in my head during that session, I was like, I wonder, is it going to be the Netflix cast? Is it going to be the original cast? Is it a whole new cast? Right. I didn't know. Nobody knew. I didn't know until starting doing the second film. I was told because I had those scenes with, with Spike that they brought back the original cast. Yeah. And at that point, I was just like kind of shocked and excited just because that was the cast that I grew up with. Right. I that we were talking about that earlier. Um that those actors and those voices that's who I grew up with. That's who I that's who really made Evangelion for me and to then like realized that my voice was going to be joining them and interacting with Tiffany Grant and interacting with Spike Spencer, you know, was just, whew, went just like, ugh, I can't, I can't even explain how, (laughs) how cool that is to me and how cool it was. And at the same time, like, I would have been completely happy if it was a Netflix cast because, again, there are a lot of my friends and they're fantastic but just because, again, it was the original cast that I grew up with. Right. Yeah. So it was it was a process. Um, I, I did not know. And this is what happens, guys. A lot of times, and you'll, you'll hear actors say this, we're like the last people to know. Right. I, you know, I found out everything bit by bit. So, yeah. And there's a lot of things they don't tell us. So, yeah. It was a shock. A good shock. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine so. That's yeah. A, that's a hell of a Christmas present. Yeah. And I mean, like, I do remember trying to figure, because sometimes you can hear the other voice if they play it, you know, if mm-hmm. they play a scene and they already recorded. I, they, I didn't get to hear a lot of English voices. I think I was usually one of the first ones to record or mm-hmm. towards the beginning because I I wouldn't hear a lot of the English voices, like, you know, in the scene. So I I didn't even have that to go on. Like, I couldn't, like, hear a voice and be like, I wonder who that is. I, w- I wonder who that is. Especially the fourth movie, which was the first one that we recorded. I, it was, I didn't have anybody to go off of. It was just the Japanese. So I remember being like, I wonder, I wonder who it's going to be. In my head, because she has so many scenes with Asuka, Mari has so many scenes with Asuka, I was imagining Tiffany Grant. And I knew how Tiffany plays Oscar, And so for me, I was able to kind of tap into that and be like, yeah. I was imagining Tiffany Grant as Oscar right. in these scenes. And so that actually helped a lot. I was like, I, I have an idea about how Tiffany would do this. I know how she sounds. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Taking backing off of that a little bit, I know that you had mentioned on Twitter when you went to go to the premiere, you got to meet the man when Tiffany Grant. Tell yes. us a little bit about that meeting. What was that like for you? Okay, so I it was so funny because I made a comment on Twitter where I was like, oh, I would love to meet, you know, I would love to meet them. I haven't met them yet. I haven't met any of the original cast, which is kind of strange because I've been to so many conventions and I just never have been to a convention that any of them were a part of, you know, but um. I made a comment on Twitter and Spike was like, well, maybe you will, you will get to meet Amanda, you know, at 
blah, blah, blah. And then luckily enough, you know, our wonderful director, Joe, had rented out a movie theater so we could actually see the fourth film on the big screen. And let me tell you guys, it's fantastic at home, but I, ah, seeing it on the big screen with surround sound, ooh, it's so good. It's so good. I, I hope at some point that, like, they release it in theaters just so people could have that experience. But anyways, um, I went, and actually Tiffany was one of the first people I, I ran into there. And I knew who she was right away. Right. You know, like, I knew who she was, and she was wearing all of her Oscar um, stuff. I did not get my Maury shirt yet, so I didn't have that, but I did have my Maury bag. So we were, like, the only two who had, like, our, our like, merchandise of our characters. And <laughs> it was just, like meeting a hero you know because I was telling her how much I love Asuka she's such an important character to me and like her performance and then you know Amanda showed up and that was she's so sweet Amanda is just like so awesome they're both awesome but Amanda was just like so sweet and so like easy to talk to and I almost felt like I I I knew them you know like it wasn't weird I felt like we all meshed very well. Um, we were all getting along. Um, it was great. Yeah, I wish Spike could have been there, but he's in Australia. Yes. We, yeah, we missed you, Spike. But um, yeah, it was great. Spike and I actually were conversing no a little bit when we found out who was you know playing who. So we already. He's so sweet. He was so encouraging and so nice. He was like, "I just met you on on the rooftop." I was like, "Oh." You know it's me. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was great. I just again talking about not ever thinking I'd be a part of Evangelion to then be like hearing myself with these actors, with these characters, these very iconic characters and then being there with all of them was surreal in the best way possible and still I'll look at the pictures and be like that happened. That actually happened. Right? <laughs> yes. So it was great. Thank you, Joe, for setting that all up. That is that is wonderful. Um, yeah. I've I've never gotten to meet Amanda. I would love to one day. Um, oh, she's I've, great. She's a treat. <laughs> I, I've met Tiffany a couple of times, and, and she was she could not be better. Um, yeah, yeah, she's great. So just kind of very varying off. <laughs> the Ava path for a little bit and just kind of getting back more to uh, you as an individual. What are some of the biggest challenges you have with acting? Biggest challenges? Well, voiceover is tough anyway. There is kind of a misconception sometimes that people are like, oh, voiceover is easy. Right. You know, it's a, it's a way to get quick cash, which is so not true. Um, right. It's hard, um, especially dubbing. Dubbing is very, very difficult. So it's always a challenge. No matter how much experience you have, you're going to always run into situations where, oh, it's going to be a challenge to try to make this dialogue fit in that lip flap and have it make sense from one language to another language. Right. You know, um, you know that's why... Sometimes dubs can sound a little off because we're having, we're trying our best to fit it in, you know, in a way that still makes sense, but is still very true to the original language. 
I think live action dubbing is even harder than animated dubbing like anime because in live action you are trying to voice over living breathing people speaking a different language speaking a different language and unlike anime where people you know are just the animations are like this where nobody can see me but i'm doing just like a little (laughs) hand puppet (laughs) um you're looking at somebody's face and their mouths are making like o's and oohs and weird you know things with their mouth and so to try to You don't want to copy a performance. This is what I'm a big believer. You want to honor a performance. You don't want to necessarily, you know, you want to honor that performance, but you still want to make it your own because you want it to be natural. So you have to try to make a natural performance on top of an already living, breathing performance. Make it fit. Make it make sense. You know, and it's hard. It's hard. Um, I think voice actors don't get that as much credit as they should really receive because it's 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 rough i and i challenge people to to try it you know um if you're ever interested in voiceover try taking a dubbing class and you'll see for yourself it's it's a lot more difficult than just looking at a character going you know mouth open closed mouth open closed and saying words there's so much to it and so that's always a challenge yeah. Well, one of the things that I know is not necessarily talked about a lot with uh, voiceover, but is mm-hmm. uh, very much a day-to-day part of it, is rejection. Yes. Um, I, I know that there's the sort of emotional toll that takes. There's the physical toll from you know working with your voice and some of the challenges uh, that that creates. But what yes. keeps you motivated? You know, stuff like this getting knowing that there will be a reward and I don't mean it like oh that's why you do it but just knowing that if you keep at it that things are going to happen like again I never thought I would be a part of Evangelion and there's other franchises like Pokemon we were talking about and stuff like that I never thought I'd be a part of it but here I was just like you just keep at it keep auditioning keep doing classes you know and voila the opportunities come up and they happen especially you know you were just mentioning rejection rejection is hard because we tend to get in our heads that we did something wrong if we don't book a part and that's not what it is I find like Now being so involved in the um, industry and community and seeing how it works, there are so many actors auditioning for one role, you know, and only one person can book that. Right. So, and sometimes it's not even the best audition that books it. There's so many reasons why that person and that actor gets selected. And kind of knowing that, like really taking that in and knowing that it's not personal even if it feels like it and that's very valid but just knowing that it's not personal knowing that there are so many different pieces to why somebody's selected and why you are not selected it helps it helps you understand that while it didn't work for that role if you keep auditioning there is going to be a character and a role that you are going to be selected for for whatever reasons so yeah it's it's a normal thing that we all feel. We all feel that rejection and it 
freaking hurts, man. (laughs) But things will happen. Um, Also, you were talking about the strains of the voice and everything like that. Like, ooh, especially if you're doing um, video games, if you're doing battle scenes, like, for example, Mari in um, Evangelion, like, what what was, you know, they just selected whatever they selected to put into the film, but I was in the booth, in this booth, this actual booth that I'm in now, screaming for, like, a long time. We There's so many different takes. You know, you do so many different takes. You do so many different types of screams. You do so many types of efforts. And it does get to you after a while, you know, and you just have to take care of yourself. You know, drink lots of water, rest your voice if you need to for a couple of days before you go into another session. Yeah, it's hard. Guys, being a voice actor is hard. And sometimes you have to make machine gun noises while your character is firing a machine gun. (laughs) We had so much fun with that because, like, we were, I I, I was like, ooh, we're going to do that, right? And (laughs) the director was like, yeah, yeah, like, go for it if you want to, you know, try it because... And it's always, you know, different going from Japanese to English. And right. I was like, so I was, I think in the Japanese, she's kind of like, nah, 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 you know, like very <laughs> cutesy, like, right. like almost like a cat. And I was like, but that would sound weird, you know, in English. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to imagine. And this is exactly what I did. I was like, I was imagining because Mari has so much fun, mm-hmm. you know, when she's piloting, even when she gets really like aggressive, it's still in fun. And so I was imagining her almost like being a little kid, like playing, like, bah, 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 you know, like she's just playing at that point. She's just like, yeah. And it does. It, it's like we did that so many times. We did the battles like, you know, different so many times in different ways. And yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's really funny to hear you talk about um, Mari as, as, you know, kind of acting like a kid when spoiler alert. She's probably yeah. like thirty. Well, it or, depends. Or older, or older. Yes, it's you know. I'll just put this out there. I know, like canically, as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. I wasn't given any information because nobody really knows. Right. But I have my theories and and stuff too, and I think because she might be. Much older, much, yes. much older than yes. I think she is. In some ways, I think she be, might be even much, much older. Yeah. I think that's why she is the way she is, because she's just like, all of you stress out too much, whatever. Like, just have fun. You know, like, it is what it is. Because she is such a fun, lighthearted character in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I I will say, because I'm a giant uh, Ava Dork <laughs> I, I like to tell people that I am the foremost authority on Evangelion that no one has ever heard of or cares about. I care. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, that's very sweet of you. But uh, I know in the manga, the manga has a, a slight, it was uh, written by the character designer, Yoshiyuki Sadamoto. Yes. So it's yes. got a slightly different story to it. Yes. But in the final volume, it does actually reveal like, oh, Mari was friends with Yui. Yep. And and, and again, in... Uh, Thrice upon a time, she does refer to Fuyutsuki as Professor Fuyutsuki, you know, yep. going back to his his time before the second impact. So yep. yeah, she's now that I do the math, she's at least forty. 
She's at yes. least 40. She... May maybe. And I say that because <laughs> there's so many different theories out there. Mm -hmm. There's some people who believe this Mari might be a clone of an original Mari. There's I... some people who think, I mean, and these are just theories. I'm not yeah. saying what I think. I, I mean, like, I actually have a very different theory. I do think that the Mari that we see in the manga is the Mari that we see in the anime. Yes. Um, even though they say, no, they're not related. Yes, they are, in my opinion. <laughs> um, I I think there is a lot more to Mari than we know. They yes. did not really tell us much of anything. You know, um, I think I think there's something much. And, like, I know that he did tell uh, Maya Sakamoto, you know, something about her. Yeah. That she knows. And I'm like, I wonder. I wonder what that is. I think it's something. I, I personally think Mari is so much more than what we what we even think she is. Yeah. You know? Uh, I know. I know. Some people have speculated that Mari is a stand-in for Anno's wife. Yeah, and she said no. Right. So, yeah. I. I don't know. I think that it's a sweet theory, but sure. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, yeah. People have I, asked me what I think, and I'm like, I. You know, again, I have my, like, what I think about Mari, and what you know. I have, and I don't know if that's right either. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's and there's a very strong chance we'll never know. And uh, I don't think we will. <laughs> yeah, if if you've been an Evangelion fan for a long time, that's something you kind of have to learn to make peace yep. with. Anno's gonna tell you what he's gonna tell you, and I, I feel like um, you can trust what he says in in interviews and stuff. A lot less than what he shows you, yes. like like in the the work itself, because yes. you know he's he's said stuff in the past like oh you know the Evangelion ending doesn't you know it doesn't have a meaning. And it's I like know. it's like come it's like come on guy, we know we know we know there's something there, even though you're not telling us. We know. Yeah. Also, uh, folks at home, if you haven't, uh, there's a wonderful documentary on Amazon Prime about Anno making uh, the last film. Yeah, it, it it spans like eight years. It's an incredible documentary. It's really worth watching. I agree. He's so fascinating to me. He's he's such an interesting he, guy. He, he is. And, and like sometimes, what you know, like watching the documentary, I'm like, I don't know. Like it, it's like. I feel like we could be friends, but then again, he's such a weirdo that you know, yeah. <laughs> he, he probably doesn't want to make friends with a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I want to be his friend. <laughs> that, it, probably, I, I, feel, I feel like at this point, everyone just wants to give the man a hug. Yeah. Um, Although, I think he's in a much better place than he was. Many, he many certainly seems ago, to be. For sure. Um, yeah. My, I've... Uh, at the time of this recording, uh, Thrice Upon a Time has been out for exactly one month to the day, and I've seen it three times. I'm going to try and squeeze another viewing in because we're going to record about it uh, tomorrow, actually. So you guys may have already heard that episode. It may be coming up later. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to try and squeeze in another viewing. But it's, it's definitely very telling to me all the sort of callbacks and role reversals and things that 
happen in the movie that are yeah. reflective or inverted of Indeveva in so many different ways. It's it's a really interesting approach, and and some and in some ways I feel like he's just saying, you know what, I'm sorry about it. I'm sorry about all that, guys. I was in a bad place. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I just want to give him a hug. I'm giving a, I'm giving an air hug right now. <laughs> So we're, we're coming towards the end here. Yes. Uh, you'll finally be released back into the wild. Um, your, your family will, will be freed and, and return to you safely. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I know you're working on something very special with Amanda Winnie. Tell everybody a little bit about that. So we are doing a Ava pilot, well, a lady Ava pilot slumber party. And I'm actually going to pull up all the information so I can rightfully put it up there for everybody. So it's going to be on Halloween, you guys. And a lot of people were asking, hey, when are you guys going to get together and like, do you like a stream and stuff like that? And Amanda was like, oh, you guys want that? Let's do it. You know, so she made it happen. Um, so it'll be on Halloween. The three of us, me, Amanda, and Tiffany, are going to be answering questions. We are going to be just having a good time. We're going to be signing posters for you guys, which um, if you go to the GoFundMe page, I'll actually have it on my Twitter. It's also on Amanda's Twitter. Um, you can donate. We do have posters that if you donate about like $100, you can get a signed poster by the three of us. Everything um, is to get Tiffany out to L.A. to do this. And we will also be donating the rest to um, some charities. So it looks like the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So it's for a good cause, but it's also for a fun cause. Yes. Yes. And and anyone who knows Amanda Winley's history knows how much that particular it's, cause means to her. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, It's a very personal and very um yeah yeah so it, i think it it definitely means a lot to her and it means a lot to us you know we want to make sure that we not only have a fun time and do something great for all the fans but we're also giving back to something that means a lot which is fantastic and i just want to mention the people um amanda winley has written a book about that experience it's called the noodle chronicles it's on amazon I encourage you guys to buy it. I, I believe the proceeds for that also go to uh, leukemia and lymphoma-related uh, charities. It's a short read. It's a, you know, in places a fun read, and in places is an incredibly challenging read. But I, you know, I encourage people to read that. It's it's a fascinating read, and it really, um, it's very touching. In a lot of yes. ways. Yes. Yes. She's so lovely, and her family's so lovely. <laughs> well, Danine, we're going to let you go, but before that, uh, is yes. there anything that you want to tell the audience, anything else before we you know get what? out of here? You know what? I do just want to do, this is going to sound so sappy and cheesy, but I do want to say thank you to all of the fans who have reached out to me and have, you know, um, you and I were kind of talking about how it can be a little bit hard being, um, <laughs> right. re you know, being, playing a character that somebody else already played. And I, I had to avoid some sites that I normally would like to go to because some of the comments have been a little mean, but I want everybody to know that it means so much to me and I deeply appreciate 
all the kind words that have been said, um, not just about me as Mari, but just for the films in general, because we did put so much love into it. And as we were talking about before this started, I, I love Evangelion so much. I love Mari so, so much. And it means the world to me that people can feel that and see that and have taken the time to let me know. So thank you guys for that from the bottom of my heart. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Denine Melody. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok. Um, that has a lot of Ladybug fans. They're they're great. I could use some more Evangelion fans over there. <laughs> so yeah, and feel free to to follow me and you know say hello. And if you want to see me at a convention, let conventions know and we can meet in person. And yeah, all of that. And it was just lovely doing this with you. Thank you for reaching out and wanting to chat. Absolutely. The, the pleasure has been mine. mine didn't, uh, goodness. I used to be able to oh. <laughs> Deneen, thank you so thank much you. for your time. Uh, you have been absolutely lovely. I cannot oh. wait to see what the future has for you. I'm rooting for you so hard. Thank you. I really, it, I can feel it. I can feel it. And it means a lot. I'm rooting for you too. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. I need all the help I can get. We, but you know what? We all do. Do we gotta support each other, and that's what's important. Is like it's so important that we all support each other and lift each other up in whatever way we can. That's perfect. Thank you. Yes. Mwah. And a big kiss to all of the fans out there. Mwah. I'm one of you. I am one of you. One of us. One of one us. One of us. One of us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to yet another production of the awesome cast your podcast for everything awesome you can find us online at awesomecast.com o-s-m-c-a-s-t.com or you know wherever you find your podcast just search for awesome cast you can also find us on the social medias awesomecast at twitter or on facebook of course you can also find our wonderful interview guru the greatest living interviewer john robbins at j5 is live or perhaps you'd like to follow our amazing editor anna at Angel Darkfire, or just me, at It's Basil Time on Twitter. Our theme song is produced by DJ Inabito, and you can find him online at djinabito.com. And once again, thanks for listening to the Awesome Cast. We appreciate you. <laughs>